Hi, and welcome to the Willow Ridge Church Weekly Podcast. This is where you can find audio for our current and past sermons. We hope that you enjoy this week's installment, and be sure to check back next week to hear the latest message. Thanks for listening. Well, good morning. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and open them up to Psalm 46. That's where we're going to be this morning. As you turn there, I want to give you an important date to put on your calendar that did not make the slides for, for this week, but will be in there as we go forward. I'd like for you to make a special note for November the 21st. All right. On Sunday, November 21st, that's the Sunday before Thanksgiving, uh, we're going to gather here like we always do in the morning. We'll still be in our series on the Psalms, but we're going to come back on Sunday evening, not for our regularly scheduled ministry activities, but we'll c- gather back together as a church family at four o'clock for a special night of focus on missions and prayer. And I'd like to ask each and every one of you to, to join us for this evening. Now, we are going to have a special guest speaker that will be here with us that evening. And because of where he has served, I cannot share details with you, a lot of details with you right now, because we're live streaming and for security reasons they've asked us not to. But I can tell you that we will have a missionary who has served for many years alongside his wife in a very prominent war-torn country that many of us are aware of. He's going to be with us that evening to share openly and honestly about what it's like to live and do ministry in this country, and also to share with us what God has been doing, and even in the midst of the crisis of this country finds themselves, which caused him and his family to have to be evacuated, what God is continuing to do. After he shares, we're going to have a time where we'll take some time to pray for all of our ministry, uh, I'm sorry, all of our mission partners together as a church family. And then like good Baptist, we'll have a time after that where we'll eat some sweets together, okay? Um, But I want to make sure that you're there for the important part for that on Sunday, November 21st. Uh, We'll get out more details as we can, um, but but not on anything that's going to be on the internet or or social media or in those capacities, all right? So please mark it on your calendar. Be there. It'll be a phenomenal night. So as we're continuing on in our series in the Psalms, and the band is going to lead us at the conclusion of this message in Psalm 46, but I want to kind of give some some background of, of what's going on in Psalm 46. Now, this was probably written by King Hezekiah. We aren't 100% sure, but that's what most theologians believe, that King Hezekiah wrote this during the time when Jerusalem was held captive by the Assyrians. And now you can read that that story starting uh, around 2 Kings chapter 18, and we're not going to jump there and read all that, but that's kind of the background of what's there. A lot of what's written during that section of Second Kings is, is recorded also in the prophet Isaiah. This is the time that the prophet Isaiah uh, uh, was, was, was being the mouthpiece for the Lord to, to Israel during this time. And, and the emphasis of this passage is going to be the presence of the Lord with his people. It's an important thing for us. It's an important thing for all of God's people. 
A continual reminder, in spite of everything that surrounds us, in spite of what our brain says to us, in spite of what our emotions make us feel, the ever-steady presence of the Lord with his people. And we're going to see a beautiful, honest assessment of this from the hand of Hezekiah as we read Psalm 46. So let's go ahead and start. We're going to read the first three verses. He writes and he says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way and the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. And so here's what's happening during the reign and rule of King Hezekiah. Jerusalem is being held captive by the Assyrians. It's a time of chaos. It's a time of war. It's a time of fear in the life of King Hezekiah and a time for God's people in Jerusalem. And so Hezekiah goes in in the way that he can and begins to record what he is feeling in line with the truth of who God is. And I think that's important for us. We all have our roller coasters of ups and downs, amen? We all feel better on some days than others, amen? Like, like we walk through this. It, it, it's, it's the picture of life that's there. But oftentimes, you and I get so lost in the roller coaster of emotion that we're facing, and it's real, and it's honest, and we can, we, we, we can forget in that the absolute truth of who God is. And what I love about Psalm 46 is Hezekiah is saying, man, this is what I'm feeling, this is what we're going through, but here's the the truth of who God is in the midst of that. And so the first thing that we we see, we're going to look at three different things that point us to the Lord in this. The the first one that we see is that that God is our strength. God is our strength. Verse 2 and 3 do not paint a very good picture, right? From his words, he says, the earth gives way. Now, let's be honest. How many of you have been to the the state fair this year? Raise your hand. Let's a little quick poll. How many of you have been, all right? How many of you, by show of hands, went for the food? Let's be honest, all right? That's me, right? It's the only time that you're willing to pay $38 for a corn dog and french fries, right? But we do it, and it is phenomenal, and, and it's all organic and healthy. That's what I tell myself, all right? It's good for us. Right, adds years to your life, right? So I, I, I'm not a rods guy anymore. I used to be a rods guy. And, and somewhere around the age of 35, rods went from fun to miserable like overnight, right? We went to uh, North Augusta to a, a thing that they have there. It's kind of their, their local fair. North Augusta is my hometown. Um, and it's called the Jack-O-Lantern Jubilee. And my daughter, they have like three rods there. It's real small, you know, they're real small. And they have like three rods. And one of them was that rod, uh, uh, it's like the teacups at, at Disney World. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, I think it's called like the scrambler or something like that. And my daughter, she's like, Dad, ride this with me. And I was like, all right, cool. I can do this. So we get in there and I'm excited and she's nervous. And I'm like, hey, hands up the whole time, right? And she's like, all right, absolutely, hands up the whole time. And so I went from like hands up the whole time to like, please get me off of this thing as fast as you possibly can. And like the rest of the day, I'm just walking around like I get hit by a Mack truck, all right? So the earth gives way. When I was thinking about this, I, I, I thought of the fair. 
And, and I thought to, to my life when I was a little kid and I would go to the fair, and, and one of the things that I loved to do was to go to the fun house. And you'd walk through the fun house, and there was the punching bags that you could run through, and, and people were knocking them, and you'd fall all over. There was the mirrors that you would walk through, and they would distort you and show you look in different ways, or the, the maze of mirrors that you'd have to navigate through and try to get the maze. But my favorite one was when you would walk, and you would see the, the floor was moving, right? Like, I'm not sure how this thing passes insurance, but it does, okay? And, and it's there, and you walk on there, and as a little kid, it's just so funny because you're falling down. And then you get back up, and you fall down again. Hezekiah says where we're at right now, as a people, it literally feels like the earth is giving way. He said that the mountains, it feels like they've moved into the sea. What's around him, what's surrounding him, that should be good and normal and stable, feels like it's crumbling and falling apart. And he describes the waters. He said the waters, they roar and they foam, and, and, and the scariest word of them all, they're, they're swelling, right? Here's what, here's what Hezekiah is saying, like, everything that was stable is gone, and what is there feels like it is consuming me, and this is how he felt. What should be stable is not, what surrounds him is falling apart, and what is there is absolutely trying to consume him. And when the Assyrians threatened Jerusalem, though, the prophet Isaiah told Hezekiah, he said, do not be afraid because of what you've heard. Do not be afraid because of what you've seen. The prophet Isaiah tells him, instead, what you need to do is you need to trust in the covenant relationship of God. That you are his people. As, as Leslie and Amanda sang, you were chosen, not forsaken. This is who you are in spite of all that surrounds you, in spite of where the earth begins to move and sway, in spite of what's there. And so what Hezekiah does is he speaks to the truth of God in the midst of all that surrounds him. He says, you know what? In this, God is our refuge. He's our place of protection, and God is our strength in spite of all of this. What we're going to see in verse 7 and verse 11, there's three different times where, where Hezekiah says that, that God is our refuge. In, in verse 1, when he uses that word, it, it's a picture in a piece of, of shelter, a place that you would go in in the midst of the storm. Don't stand out there in what is happening, what is beating you up. Instead, find your refuge in the Lord. Go into him. Shelter into him. And in verse 7 and verse 11, it's the same concept, but instead, the, uh, the word of the fortress is used. So when you are attacked, when the arrows come, when the fight is there, make sure that you find your fortress, make sure that you find your shelter in the Lord and in Him. Now, I don't know about you, but when I think of shelter, when I think of fortress, it's a place that we go to wait until the battle's over. We wait until this passes. But Hezekiah gives us a different picture of what it means to shelter in, to fortress in the Lord. He says that when we do this, what we find is our purpose of where God has for us is to find our strength. As we're here, 
And so he says, God is our refuge and strength, a very pleasant help in trouble. And so God shelters us so that he can strengthen us, so that he can send us. God shelters us so that he can strengthen us, so that he can send us. Now I want to ask you this. I saw some heads nodding, uh, nodding just a few minutes ago when we were beginning to talk about the circumstances and the things around you. What do you need shelter from right now? Where do you need to be fortressed right now? What is going on in your life where it feels like the earth is moving, the mountains are collapsing, and the sea is rising and about to consume you right now? What do you need to be brought in from? What do you need to find strength in? Right now, what I look at and what I see and what I experience, even within myself and with others, is Man, there's people that are struggling in their finances. I need my finances to be strong. So many marriages right now are in the battle of the fight headed toward destruction. I talk to parents who are broken because of the battle that they're facing with their kids and what that looks like. I talk to men and women with their careers of what God has for them and say, you know what, I want strong finances, I want strong marriages, I want strong relationship with my kids, or even some of us, I want strong relationship with my parents. I want a strong career that glorifies God. But so many times, we want strength in these places but we're just going to go to ourselves instead of going into him, into him, our refuge, and doing it in his will, right? I want you to picture you're, you're somewhere and a, and a storm comes up, and there's a shelter that's there, and the shelter's got a door, but you say, no, I'll be okay because I can see the shelter, I'll be okay because I'm standing near the shelter. I'm good because I know where the shelter is. None of those things work. And you and I would be foolish if that's what we would do. What do we do? We go into them. We go into them. And we say, no, 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 this is where it's found is inside of it. Right? Instead of I know about it, <laughs> I can tell you about it. I've seen it. I've even experienced it in the past. And instead of diving into it, right? So what does it mean to be in the Lord? What does it mean to be in his refuge? What does it mean that he is our fortress? And what I find as I read through this and studied through it this way is that what you and I have to say, what you and I have to agree to is that going into God is going into his will. Going into God is going into his presence. And I want to be honest with you, what I've, what I've noticed within my own life and in the life of so many people that we deal with on these four topics that just seem to be standing out more and more ever-present in our society and in our church today, is, is let me tell you this, our finances struggle because we do it our way. That's why finances struggle. Let's admit that. You and I, we're not good with it when we do it our way. But God says, you want strength in your finances? Give me your tithe, give me your offering, and watch me provide. Refuge in me in your finances. Do it in my will, do it my way. 
You and I, you say, man, our marriages struggle. Well, they struggle because we do it our way. They struggle because we do it as an individual. They struggle because we do it with a, with a goal, with a heart to get right. But God says, you want your marriage to be strong? Then do it my way. Do it in my will. So husbands, love sacrificially. I, I get this. Think of her first and primary. You are not there to be served It's not what God's word tells us, but you are there to serve her well, to love her well, and to do so with an end goal, not so that she'll serve you in return, but with an end goal so that she will grow and mature in Christ. That's God's will for your marriage. That's it. So husbands, get off your throne and serve. And so wives, trust your husbands. Trust them, follow them, encourage them, and love them in a way that empowers them to seek the will of God for your family. Understanding that both of these demand a deep level of sacrifice from the husband and the wife, right? This is what God calls us to. This is what it means to refuge in him so that our marriages can be strong. About your relationship with your kids, right? They struggle because we want it to do them our way. We want to beat into them what we think. We want to beat into them what we think they should be, what we have experienced to learn from us that we are the authority instead of fighting for their hearts, right? Instead of fighting, for, instead of fighting the world that's seeking to capture their hearts. God says to love, shape, nurture, and release all with an attitude and a heart of peace. That they are his and we are stewards of them, right? They are not our clone. They are not to accomplish what we couldn't within ourselves. They are the Lord's. Right, our careers, we want strength in our careers, but we need to stop doing them our way. Right, we work for our boss, we work for our promotion, we work for our ego, we work for what we determine is right. And then, but God says, no, no, whatever you do, you're doing it for me. You're not doing it for him, you're not doing it for her, you're not doing it for the paycheck. The honor and the integrity in which you are doing it with is done in a way to seek to glorify me and to serve me. So whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God in everything of who we are. So if you're miserable in your career right now, let me ask you, who are you focused in on in that? And is it Jesus and where we find ourselves? When we refuge in his will and in his way, what we find is the strength to go and do what he's called us to do. But we've got to be in him. Why would God give you his strength so that you could do it his way? It's been a hard lesson for me this week. Why would God give you his strength for you to turn around and do it your way? But he gives you his strength so that you and I can do it his way, in his will, for his name, for his glory. Let's keep reading verses four and seven. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. 
The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And so not only do we see in these times of trouble that we're reminded that God is our strength, but we're also reminded that God is our joy. When the Assyrians held Jerusalem captive, they camped around the city. And this was a technique that was used by most armies during this time. You'll even see God's people, as God's leading them to overtake the promised land, what God would do is he would call oftentimes the people to camp around the city. And what would happen in these cases, by doing that, they would cut off the supplies that the people would need in the city in order to survive. And one of these, particularly in Jerusalem, was water, right? Like, you can be without a lot of things. You cut people off from water still today, and civilization is not going to thrive. And so the Syrians thought, man, if we can just cut them, if we can cut the the people of Jerusalem off from the water that they desperately need, then we'll be over to overtake. But Hezekiah had done something different. He had done something that the Syrians didn't know. Hezekiah had built a water system underneath Jerusalem that connected Jerusalem to an outside water source. And so in this, he says, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. This could have been a literal explanation of what's happening, right? He did this. It's the city of God. It's Jerusalem. There's a river who will bring this in and and make us glad. But Hezekiah has a spiritual implication for this as well. As the waters come, so too does God, and with it comes the victory, right? Where do you find joy? Where do you find joy? I had a pastor. I had lunch with him on Wednesday. He asked me two questions. As he was talking to me, he's, he's, he's new, and, and, and we were having a conversation. He said, he said, man, where does your happiness come from? We talked a little bit about that. And he says, where does your joy come from? Two different questions. So many of us find our joy in the circumstances. And when our joy is found in the circumstances of life, so many of us lose our joy in the exact same means. For the people of Jerusalem, they look out and they see this army surrounding them. They see that they are about to take them and take from them. But instead, they're called to remember who God is and what God does, and that is not in what surrounds them where their joy, where their hope, where their peace is found, but it's found in him who flows through them, right? It's easy to look around us and think that God has failed. It's easy to look in your life and in my life and to see situations that didn't play out, situations that we would not have chosen, and to see where God has failed. And I imagine if if I'm Hezekiah, if I'm a person in Jerusalem right now, I'm looking out, I'm looking around, and I'm seeing the army that is around me and the reality of what's happening, the reality of what's taking place. And in that and in this situation, it's easy to look and say, we've messed up, this is what happened to us, but where are you, God? And have you ever been there? Have you ever been, where are you, God? Why, God? I don't understand, God. But God will always hold true 
to his word and true to his promises. That the Israelites were chosen, not forsaken, and that you and I can cling to the same truth in spite of what surrounds us, in spite of what comes to consume us. So God rescued his people. He rescued his people. The Assyrians would not take him. And God did it in a miraculous way. One night, the angel of the Lord came and struck down 185,000 Assyrians. And the king of Assyria fled. You and I look for joy in a lot of ways. We look for joy in our circumstances. We look for joy in our timing. We look for joy in the creation that we've been blessed with. But instead, we need to remember that our joy does not come from our circumstances, that our joy does not come from our timing, that our joy does not come from creation, but that our joy comes from the one who's over the circumstances, that our joy comes from the one who is sovereign over the timing, that our joy comes from the one who created creation, right? Romans 15, 13 tells us, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace, comma, as you trust him, as you trust him, right? Well, but I don't feel joy right now. Well, I don't feel peace. Well, are you trusting the Lord? You trust him, you trust him, and watch where the joy comes from. You trust him, you trust him, and you watch where the peace comes from. Joy comes from trust, and trust comes from releasing. So I wanna ask you this question. What do you need to release today? What do you need to release today? What do you need to say, God, it's 185,000 soldiers, and I can't do it. And God's saying, I know, so stop trying. What do you need to release today and trust that God will do as he wills, that God will do as he plans, and that God will bring the end, and we trust him all the way through it. Lastly, verses Eight and nine. Hezekiah writes, and he says, Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress, right? And for so many of us, we just heard that verse, right? And went, aha, there it is. Be still and know that I am God. In the midst of all of this, this is the heart and the posturing of what God is calling us to. And in this, what we will see is that God is glorified. What we exist for, what our purpose is, where our meaning is found in the glory and in the exaltation of the one and only God, the living God. And so right now you feel like you're surrounded. Right now you feel like you lay in fear. Right now you, you wake up and that and which has held you in captivity is gone. And this is what happens to Jerusalem. They just wake up one morning, they look out the windows, dead bodies. 
They wake up one morning and, and equipment that's been walked away from. Tents that are empty. They wake up one morning and weapons that were held and challenged to their life are laid down. But yet no battle on this earth amongst men has taken place and God has won. And God says in that, what we do is we give him glory. We give him glory. To give God glory is to rightly acknowledge and give praise, right? And so this verse that we've uttered, this verse that we've clinged to begins to be more and more real as we see and understand of what's going on. Be still and know that I am God and I will be exalted in the earth. These three phrases that form one sentence that give us so much hope and purpose and passion for the gospel. Right? God says first, be still. Be still. This, this phrase, be still, literally means take your hands off of it. Right? Take your hands off and relax. And relax. So what's going on in your life, what's going on in those battles is the reminder right here that you and your ability, that you and your means, that you and your own power, you do not have the fight. God does. Be still. Let it go. Let it go. But letting it go acknowledges that it's no longer about your way. Letting it go means that you let it go and that you let go of control. And he says, know that I am God. Know that I am God. Acknowledge him. Stop taking credit in the victory and give God the credit he deserves. We do it all the time. I do it all the time. We do it in our mind. We do it in our hearts. We do it in our words and our action. God blesses, God works, and let me take the credit for it, right? but instead declare who he is and what he's done so you gain victory in your finances. Let people know it's because of the Lord. You gain victory in your marriage. Let them know that it's because of God and let people know it. You gain victory in your relationship with your kids, at work, with your neighbor. Let everyone know that it's not by your doing, that it's not by your power, that it's not by your means, but instead it's by the gracious working of the hand of God. And we praise him for it. We praise him for it. And he says, and I will be exalted in the earth. I will be exalted in the earth. You know, God's people then and God's people today continually look to others to help them in the time of need. God's people during this time thought about Egypt. Well, I wonder if the Egyptians could come and help us. You remember the Egyptians that held us captive the Egyptians that enslaved us, the Egyptians that brought us from, and that God saved us, and that God redeemed us from. Maybe they can be the ones that help us. They can be the ones to set us free. But God says, no, 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 it's about me and what I'm gonna do. So what does that look like for us? 
You ever been in a financial trouble and thought, if I just have more money, then I could fix it? But if you did, here's the truth, then the money would be what saved you and not God. Have you ever thought if my spouse would just change, then my marriage would be strong, but then your spouse would be what saved your marriage and not God? Or maybe this is even more like it, if my spouse would just listen to me, but then you would be your own savior of your own marriage and not God. If my kids would just change, if my job would just change, and then in all of these, the glory goes to you, the glory goes to me, the glory goes to others, instead of it just being to God. I'm going to ask you this morning, as you look out into the battlefields of your life, what do you see? Where's the battle that's taking place? Where, where, where do you see that the struggle is coming from? I'm going to ask you this. Are you finding your strength in God and power in his will? Do you feel that your joy comes and goes and, and flows and in and out? Well, maybe you're looking for joy in something that was never created to give you joy. Right? And when the victory comes... When the battle is won, who do you declare is the victor? Right? What a great testimony to those at work, to those in your home, to those that God have given you. Of, you know, my marriage was falling apart. My finances were struggling. My kids are in rebellion. And it's not because I read a book. It's not because I started doing things differently. It might have been used. It might have been a part of it. But ultimately, the glory and credit goes to the Lord because he is faithful. Would you pray with me? Lord God, we praise you that you are our refuge and our strength. Lord, as we look at these words that are found in this scripture, we're reminded of the battles that we face on a daily basis. A battle that when we face in our own power and on our ability is too much. It feels like 185,000 soldiers that have surrounded us. And we need to run, we need to flee, we need to wave the white flag. We need to look at someone else to come and secure us and rescue us. Lord, instead of falling down before you, to be still, to know that you're God, Lord, and to release and to give you glory because of your faithfulness. Lord, I pray that as we go through the battles and daily fights that we face, Lord, I pray for the depth of trust that you've called us to. The depth of trust to lean not in on our own understanding, Lord, but to know that you are sovereign and holy and in control. 
to know that the victory is found in a greater plan and a greater purpose than what we could write out. And that, Lord, we just need to trust you. Not in some, but in all. Lord, I pray as we got our battles that we face. And through your grace and your kindness, Lord, may we find strength in you and in you alone. Lord, draw us to you so that we can refuge in you. Know your will. Know your purpose. And know your plan. Lord, remind us of your faithfulness, of our joy that is found in you, our hope that is found in you, and our peace that's found in you. And that, Lord, for us to experience that is to trust you, not with a part, but with a whole, not with a section, but with all of it. And, Lord, may we be still and know that you are God and see that your name will be exalted among the nations. Thanks again for listening to the Willow Ridge Church weekly podcast. We hope that you enjoyed listening to this week's message. If you'd like to learn more about who we are or explore additional resources, visit us online at www.willowridgechurch.com or by searching for Willow Ridge Church on Facebook and Instagram.